Hi, welcome to the podcast. In this session, we will cover hepatitis B in pregnancy, screening, treatment, and prevention of vertical transmission. From a global public health perspective, chronic hepatitis B virus infection is the major source of hepatocellular carcinoma, leading to 50% of cases worldwide and 80% in high endemic areas for hepatitis B virus. Specific to pregnancy, an estimated prevalence of 0.7 to 0.9% for chronic hepatitis B infection among pregnant women in the U.S. has been reported, with greater than 25,000 infants at risk for chronic infection born annually to these women, while transmission through sexual intercourse and intravenous drug abuse are the major risk factors for acquisition of hepatitis B among adults in the U.S., perinatal transmission is still responsible for up to 50% of hepatitis B viral infections worldwide. Vertical transmission of hepatitis B from infected mothers to their fetuses or newborns, either in utero or in the peripartum period, remains a major source of perpetuating the reservoir of chronically infected individuals globally. Now, it's been demonstrated that prenatal risk factor-based screening alone will miss many chronic hepatitis B viral infections among pregnant women, thereby missing the opportunity to interrupt perinatal transmission. So for this reason, universal screening for hepatitis B infection during pregnancy at the first prenatal visit has been recommended for many years by both the American College of OBGYN and the Society of Maternal Fetal Medicine. Perinatal or neonatal hepatitis B virus is more likely to lead to chronic infection and its long-term disease risks. Chronic hepatitis B infection will develop in up to 90% of exposed neonates who do not receive appropriate immunoprophylaxis, in contrast to 10 to 25% of infected children and only 5 to 10% of exposed immunocompetent adults. Among all individuals, however, with chronic hepatitis B viral infection, regardless of the timing of infection, 20% will eventually die from complications of hepatitis B viral infection, including cirrhosis, end-stage liver disease, and hepatic cancer. Okay, so recent data demonstrate that greater than 95% of pregnant women are currently screened prior to delivery for evidence of chronic hepatitis B viral infection, with rates of perinatal transmission decreasing significantly over the past two decades. So that's a good thing. The presence of hepatitis B surface antigen in maternal blood more commonly represents chronic infection than acute infection. While some adults will be identified because of symptomatic illness, the vast majority of chronically infected adults are asymptomatic. The diagnosis of the chronic carrier state is confirmed with the persistence of hepatitis B surface antigen and the absence of hepatitis B surface antibody. That's the neutralizing antibody that can be detected after hepatitis B viral infection has been cleared. Hepatitis B surface antibody and hepatitis B surface antigen essentially do not exist together. Hepatitis B surface antibody is also detected after successful immunization with the hepatitis B vaccine. <laughs> 
most common risk for perinatal hepatitis B viral infection occurs when the infant comes into contact with infected vaginal blood and secretions at the time of delivery. Invasive procedures during labor and delivery, like internal monitoring, episiotomy, and operative vaginal delivery, may, in theory, increase the risk of transmission. However, and here's a clinical pearl, the availability of neonatal hepatitis B virus immunoprophylaxis is thought to ameliorate these risks, so current opinions do not support altering regular obstetric practices. Elective cesarean delivery has also been discussed as one way to reduce vertical transmission, but it is not recommended since available data are conflicting and of poor quality. Currently, it's the opinion of the American College of OBGYN and the Society of Maternal Fetal Medicine that cesarean delivery not be performed solely for the indication of reduction of vertical transmission. Similarly, in the setting of neonatal hepatitis B virus immunoprophylaxis, breastfeeding is not contraindicated. What about the risk of fetal transmission with diagnostic invasive prenatal tests? Well, earlier public series did not show an increased risk of fetal transmission in utero with the use of diagnostic testing. However, these series were conducted before the routine use of hepatitis B viral load testing as a disease marker. Therefore, it may not apply to women with very high viral loads, and that can be defined a little bit later on in this podcast. But a recent series did demonstrate an increased risk for in utero infection after amnio in women with viral titers greater than 7 log to the 10th copies per ml. That's compared to women with titers below that cutoff. Such emerging data may have an impact on counseling surrounding invasive prenatal testing as data accumulate from more series using maternal viral loads. For hepatitis B infected women who have an indication for genetic testing including amniocentesis or chorionic villa sampling, it can still be offered, but patients should be consulted that data seem to suggest a higher risk of maternal fetal transmission with the hepatitis B viral load greater than 7 log copies per ml. All right, well, let's switch gears here and talk about the traditional approach to preventing neonatal hepatitis B viral infection. The mainstay of perinatal hepatitis B virus infection prevention is a combination of active and passive immunization for exposed infants. Now, before the development of hepatitis B viral vaccine, hepatitis B virus immunoglobulin, or HBIG, alone, administered within 12 hours of delivery, was shown to be effective in providing transient passive immunity but 25% of infants still became infected through household contact by one year of age. Now, when the hepatitis B vaccine became available in the 80s, it was subsequently shown that this combination of the vaccine and HBIG given within the first 12 hours after birth gave the greatest degree of durable protection, conferring long-term immunity in 85 to 95% of cases. Remember, the current recommendation is to administer hepatitis B vaccine and HBIG within 12 hours of birth to all newborns of hepatitis B surface antigen positive mothers or those with unknown or undocumented hepatitis B surface antigen status, regardless of whether maternal antiviral therapy had been given during pregnancy or not. Okay, next, let's cover the effect of maternal viral load and the use of medication to try to prevent vertical transmission. (laughs) 
based on the data that maternal high hepatitis B viral loads increase mother-to-child transmission, ongoing research has focused on anti-HIV medications, which are also effective against hepatitis B use in pregnancy. A recent analysis of antiretroviral registry data looking specifically at the fetal safety profiles of the subgroup of anti-HIV agents also effective against hepatitis B virus demonstrated no increase in exposure risk. For tenofovir, for example, the register has compiled data on a sufficient number of first trimester exposures to detect at least a twofold increased risk in birth defects with none demonstrated. Finally, regarding breastfeeding, the use of lamivudine and tenofovir in the postpartum period is not currently recommended solely for hepatitis B viral prevention until additional data are available. Most published study protocols, however, have stopped the maternal hepatitis B virus therapy at the time of delivery, so this may not be a significant management issue. No guidelines currently exist in the U.S. regarding the use of antiviral therapy against hepatitis B virus during pregnancy specifically for the goal of decreasing the risk of in utero infection and vertical transmission. However, it is being offered increasingly in centers where practitioners already have experience with the use of similar antivirals for the management of HIV-infected pregnant women. Precedent for establishment of universal guidelines already exists in Europe, where both the European Association for the Study of the Liver and the United Kingdom's NICE, that's the National Institute for Health and Care Excellence, have already published guidelines in 2012 and 13. Both agencies currently advocate discussion of antiviral therapy with hepatitis B virus infected pregnant women with viral loads greater than 6 to 7 log to the 10th per ml with treatment to be offered in the third trimester. Now, as more data are published in larger trials, this will inevitably lead to the development of perinatal treatment protocols in the U.S. Hepatitis B virus targeted maternal antiviral therapy in the third trimester of pregnancy should be considered to reduce transmission in cases where the maternal viral load is greater than 6 to 8 log per 10 copies per ml. Now, in pregnant women with hepatitis B viral infection, it is suggested by the Society of Maternal Fetal Medicine that hepatitis B virus viral load testing in the third trimester occur. And in pregnant women with hepatitis B virus infection who have a viral load greater than 6 to 8, that's 10 copies per log per ml, hepatitis B virus targeted maternal antiviral therapy should be considered specifically for the purpose of decreasing the risk of intrauterine fetal infection. Okay, here's another clinical pearl. In pregnant women with hepatitis B viral infection who are candidates for maternal antiviral therapy, it is recommended that tenofovir be used as the first-line agent. Okay, lastly, the majority of pregnant women diagnosed with chronic hepatitis B viral infection will be asymptomatic and identified through routine screening with initial prenatal laboratory tests to aid in counseling regarding the risks and potential management options as previously discussed. Baseline liver function tests should be drawn when a positive hepatitis B surface antigen test is obtained along with a baseline quantitative hepatitis B viral DNA level. 
Consideration should also be given to referral to an MFM subspecialist or an infectious disease specialist or hepatologist with experience in managing hepatitis B to coordinate care and surveillance for the woman during and after her pregnancy. Now, if the baseline hepatitis B DNA PCR test is negative, that means a negative viral load, then it may be repeated in the third trimester since this is usually the time when consideration is given to beginning antiviral treatment in women with high viral loads. In consideration of cost, baseline hepatitis B viral DNA testing during pregnancy can be deferred until the third trimester, especially if the initial LFT results are normal or results prior to pregnancy are available. Even if the maternal viral load is low and antiviral therapy during pregnancy is not recommended, the newborn should still receive the standard prophylaxis with HBIG and the hepatitis B vaccine within 12 hours of birth, and ongoing surveillance of the woman's hepatic function should occur after pregnancy. Well, that wraps up our podcast covering hepatitis B infection in pregnancy, screening, treatment, and prevention of vertical transmission. This information came from the Society of Maternal Fetal Medicine, series number 38, from the American Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology.